0: Thank you, Lord. You know, Paul told us uh, about maturing in the Lord and about what happens when we first come to Jesus. And he said that as newborn babes, we desire the milk of the Word. Everybody say the milk. The milk. Well, we all know that we are in the sheepfold. Jesus is the the great shepherd, the good shepherd. And we are called sheep. Everybody say sheep. Well, you know when lambs are born, a mom produces nourishment for that lamb, right? So newborn babes get nourished by being with the sheep. We produce the nourishment for babes. Now how does that lamb know? God for some mature saints that'll say I'm not retired I'm showing babies how to eat grass so you say well it doesn't matter if I clap oh yes it does it doesn't matter if I stand up oh yes it does it doesn't matter if I shout oh yes it does because the only way babies are going to know how to praise God is mama shows them how to praise God so I can't take a Sunday off Come on, somebody praise him now because you know somebody's watching. Amen. You know, there's a baby that needs to know how to act in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I praise him today. I want my kids to feel like that's normal. It's normal to respond in church. it's not just a seasonal thing that every once in a while I get excited. Well, a few months and I get excited and then I go back to sleep. And a few months later I wake up. I'm creating a pattern for sheep, for lambs. Somebody say amen. What an honor to be in the house of the Lord today. Pray for my wife and Shayla there in Wichita today. And that church over there, bless the Lord. I'm not sure whether the blessed Wichita or bless my family, but I pray they're both blessed today, amen, they're headed home this afternoon, but uh, getting ready for a wedding and that's all exciting, amen, praise God, but uh, uh, Long's parents said, where is, where is your dad? And, and the best way for them to describe to a Vietnamese man where a preacher is, they just said, he's at work. So I'm at work today. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to preach with the help of the Lord today from this thought. When thorns became a crown. Brother Tim, you give me just a little more. I'd appreciate it. Feels uh, Maybe it's my ears. but uh, When thorns became a crown. Say that with me. When thorns became a crown. John 19 verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. The soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews when thorns became a crown. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day, the privilege we have to be in church today. God, I thank you for this people that are gathered here this morning. Lord, I pray you administer to each one of us today as we hear your word. God, let it find its place today. I pray the saints of God would receive it with meekness. I pray, Lord, we would be an example today of faith and belief and trust and obedience, I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place, and we give you praise for it, Lord, you're going to touch a life today, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you can be seated in the name of the Lord, when thorns became a crown. Oddly enough, King Jesus, and we know he was, the and is, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. King Jesus, we're told, wore a crown only one time. And it was at Calvary when they put on his head a crown of thorns. And we know that this crown was not forged by a blacksmith or engraved by some artisan, had no jewels, had no precious metal to serve as as its base. This crown was not placed on his head at a magnificent ceremony, attended by royalty of the earth or, or maybe in their fine clothes. Uh, this coronation didn't take place in a cathedral packed with throngs of admirers straining their necks to catch a glimpse of his face. No, there was no elegant ceremony, no thunder surprise, applause, no throne for him to sit on. But in John 19, it records that Pilate, Pilate took Jesus and had him beaten, had him flogged, the term is. The Roman soldiers, after this beating, they twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Matthew describes a little more in detail in chapter 27 when he writes that the governor's soldiers took Jesus to the governor's residence and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. It says that they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together this crown of thorns and placed it on his head. Mark 15, 17 tells us. In the original language, it looks like they literally braided the thorns around his head. What thorns were they? They, There were many variety of, of thorns prevalent in Palestine during this time. But the word used in the gospel accounts is a general word, but from what can be told uh, in study or investigation, uh, those thorns would be anywhere from three quarters of an inch to an inch to about three to four inches in length. And uh, this uh, thorns, uh, these thorny bushes that they made this crown out of, would have green leaves upon it as well. And so, this thorn would look like the one worn by the Roman emperors of that day. But this crown became an unintended symbol of the sins that Jesus was about to take upon himself. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, we find after man had sinned, thorns and thistles sprung up in the earth. They were painful reminders of the curse that disobedience brought into the world. And anytime you're walking through the woods or or rabbit hunting and those little pesty plants grab a hold of you, just be reminded that it wasn't always that way, that these thorns are a reminder of one man's disobedience. And the ground is cursed because of that man's disobedience. And that curse from which the world would ever long to be free was worn upon the head of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Romans 8, verse 22, it states, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You want to know why we're having the weather we're having? The, all creation is groaning. You want to know why uh, this world seems to be in turmoil? This, the creation is groaning in travail. Somebody say amen. Everybody has experiences that are pictured by the word thorns. Walking through life, we get scratched, we get pricked, we get stabbed by what life would bring us. They're thorns, thorns of life. Thorns are mentioned literally many times in the scripture, but they are also used as a number of pictures in the Bible. And I'd like to share those with you today. Because Jesus took an old plaited ring of thorns, and he turned it into a crown. It's just thorns otherwise, but because of who they put it on, it became a crown. Notice, they put a purple robe on him and a crown on him because then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. It was because of his identity that thorns became a crown. When Jesus subjected himself to that, ring of thorns. It did not just become a discomfort. It did not just become a symbol. It was spoken of in the Bible as a crown. And the reason it was a crown is because of who Jesus is. I believe he's king of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray that in your life, all the trouble or difficulty that you face, I pray that you turn it from trouble or difficulty. I pray that you could turn it into a crowd. Come on, it's going to take you being something other than ordinary to turn difficulties into a crown. It takes a special person to take things that would normally be painful and turn them into a crown. I'm preaching today, when thorns became a crown. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap today. Amen. Galatians 3 and 13 says this. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. He served as our substitute on that cross, bearing my sin, not only bearing my sin, but he buried my sin. (laughs) Oh, come on and broke the power of sin over us. And in a glorious resurrection, he showed us that we too can live as he lives. We don't have to live lives of defeat. We don't have to live lives of worry. We don't have to live lives bound by sin. Jesus bore the crown of thorns so that I might be saved. Oh, why don't you praise him now for a moment? Hallelujah. 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 And just, and just as King Jesus turned what were thorns into a crown, so can my thorns become a crown through the marvelous empowering of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If I don't have Jesus... Life is going to give me a bunch of thorns, but I can turn all those things that come against me into a crown because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the power of his word in this place. Oh, somebody give the Lord a good hand clap today. Amen. 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 And I'm going to try to hurry today. I made up my mind. Maybe I'm getting old. I made up my mind that I'm not going to say it four times, four different ways. I made up my mind I'm going to say it once or twice. If you don't get it by then, you're just not going to get it. (laughs) Is that a deal? (laughs) That's a deal. Somebody's clapping. Oh, we got some clapping back there. They're quick. They catch it the first time. I like a church full of people that catch it the first time. Amen. Amen. But there are different types of thorns in the Bible that that I believe today can be transformed into a crown. There are three types of thorns mentioned in the scripture and the first one I want to mention is the thorns in our side. The thorns in our side. Moses gave this instruction to the nation of Israel concerning people. Numbers 33, 55. But if you do not drive out the people of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. Joshua repeated this warning in Joshua 23 when he was ruler over Israel, leader over Israel. In Joshua 23, 12. If you intermarry with them, if you associate with them, you'll be, you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive these nations before you. Instead, they will come, become snares and traps for you. They will become whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land. Interesting, the first thorns mentioned in scripture are actually people. In both of these passages, people are referred to as thorns. We have people today who are thorns in our sides. Uh Uh-oh. Isn't it about people? Absolutely. Should we reach people? Absolutely. Should we love people? Absolutely. Should we be gracious to people? Absolutely. But I'm not talking about a person with whom it's just difficult to get along. I'm not talking about your hostile boss, the gossiping coworker, the stone cold enemy, or your silent ex. (laughs) We know we have problems with people at times and we should pray that God restore relationships. That's not what I'm talking about. In both of these passages that I just read, the danger is mentioned of intermingling, cohabitating, friendly rapport with a group of people that are sworn to destroy your faith. No, you didn't hear me. There's a difference between a person who is difficult to get along with and a person whose motive is to destroy your faith. Oh, you're not hearing me, but I'm going to preach anyway. Jesus knows how to make thorns into a crown. I pray that we have that same gift by the power of the Holy Ghost because there are some people... I've come to serve you, notice today, there are people whose sole motive is to destroy your faith in God. Oh, I'm gonna preach it today. I'm gonna stand boldly and declare that Jesus said those that are not for me, they are against me. Make no mistake about it, there are people that don't like your faith. Oh God, help us. There are people that don't like you being at church today. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands unto the Lord if you'd hear what I'm preaching today. Anybody, anybody that pulls you away from your relationship with God, no matter how likable they are, oh, you need to hear me. No matter how cool they are, no matter how culturally adapted they are, anybody that's destroying your faith, they're a thorn. They're a thorn. The Israelites, like the Canaanites, enough to marry them. But the Canaanites, the Bible tells us, destroyed Israel through their idolatry. Israel began to mix their faith with the faith of those Canaanites. I want to tell you, misguided loyalty to worldly friends can drag you down to hell. I want to tell you when you're more faithful to somebody who's trying to destroy your faith than you are to God, you're on a road that's dangerous. Uh, I'm going to preach on. Because there's people in this room right now that there are individuals that have become more important to you than God. And they become thorns in your side. They become thorns in your eyes. Yes, we have thorns. Oh, yeah. You do realize that the Bible does say there's some places you ought to dust your feet off and never go back. No, I'm preaching that to a church that loves people and you ought to. But it has to be counterbalanced with a fresh knowledge that people that are destroying my faith are people that refuse the gospel. I'm gonna dust my feet off and I'm going to find somebody that's gonna build my faith, somebody that's gonna receive the gospel. You need to hear this preacher today. There are some places you need to walk out of and say, "Uh -uh, I'm not ever going back there again. There are some people you need to quit texting and just, come on, you need to get off their Facebook page. Let's talk about association. You do know associations are not just people I hang out with. You do know you're associated with people by social media. Uh Uh-oh. And you need to be very careful what you allow to become a thorn in your life. Oh, I'm preaching to you today. The argument is advanced that we need to reach out into the real world. There's even people crazy enough, and yes, maybe they're not crazy, maybe they're just ignorant. And they say, you know what, really to reach the world, we need to go to the places they go and act like they act and do what they do. I don't agree with that. No. The Bible says, let your light shine before men. I don't need to hide my light under a bushel. No. You say, oh. If I'm gonna reach, if I'm gonna reach the hell's angels, then I gotta join the hell's angels. What kind of light is it if I hide the light under the hell's angels? Well, I'm one of you, and at some point you're gonna jump out from the bushes and say, "Guess what? I'm not really one of you." They ought to know you're not one of them. What the? What a fellowship does light have with darkness. We shouldn't just be church people when we're at church. (laughs) I'm gonna let go of people that are being a thorn. Now you know I'm not on there, praise God. It keeps my mind pretty steady. Otherwise I'd be pretty unstable. And when you get wise enough to realize that, I'm just smart enough to figure that out. Some of you are not smart enough to figure out that your mind's unstable because of the un- all the unstable stuff you're letting in there. You'll figure it out. I'm not gonna say that again. But there's been people that copied post because they knew I didn't see it. And they sent it to me. People whose motive, in fact, I think they would like it. If we shut the doors of this church and we said, okay, everybody, just we're not going to have church anymore. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. I've seen that you've seen it. Oh, I'm getting close to you now. I've seen you on that post. I know you saw it, so don't get quiet on me. What's he talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Thorns, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people whose motive is destruction. The words they declare are not love. The words they declare are not grace. They talk about people and talk about God's kingdom and they destroy it with their mouth. Now, though, I didn't say it. I typed it. Yeah, you said it. You communicated it. Everybody okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's wound up today. Yes, I am. And I hope to become unwound before this message is over. I sure don't want to go home like this. Uh, We need to reach people where they are. Absolutely. By what? Shining my light. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. That's what Jesus said that people may see your good works and magnify your Father which is in heaven. I don't go to the bar and cuss with everybody there just because they realize well, he's human too. See, he loves God and he can cuss. No, what fellowship do I have with somebody that doesn't know how to control their language? I don't need to go to the crack house and smoke a little crack just so they'll hear my sermon. Well, they'll listen to you if you get high with them. No, I don't have fellowship with that world. I'm not gonna live intoxicated. I'm not. That they may see your good works and magnify your father. Don't you listen to the voice of the devil that tells you the only way they'll believe is if you become like them. No, they need to see somebody that believes in Jesus regardless. Oh, Oh, come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Let me hurry. There are people we all know whose ungodly friendships are dragging them down right now. There's people in this room right now and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be bold enough to say it. There's people in this room right now that everybody in this room knows that you're hanging with people that are dragging you down spiritually and you're trying to put on a good front. <laughs> this is the problem with somebody that's deceived. Everybody knows it but them. Yeah, and there are people... That today, when you leave this service, you need to say, "Hey, uh, we've had, you know we've done this. We've had a relationship, but you know what? I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm going to serve the Lord, so I'm getting rid of some baggage in my life. You're not adding to my faith. You... hey, and I want to tell you, just because they come to church doesn't mean they're sincere." Oh, well, they're at church. Well, hey, I want to tell you, the Bible tells us that there are wolves among the sheep. (laughs) They're here today. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to preach the word of God to you today. It may be something as subtle as gossip, unwarranted criticism, a negative spirit. A continual yang yeah, yang yeah, yang yeah, yeah about the body of Christ. Failure to display enthusiasm about the word of God or your commitments to God. When somebody keeps saying, why do you do that? And I know they're honest questions, but when they begin to challenge your commitments to God, wake up. I need to stay away from critical negative people. There's enough negative in the world today. I don't need anybody adding to that. Their criticism becomes a constant irritant between you and God. When the praise singers get to singing, you're thinking about what somebody posted. You're thinking about what somebody said about church. And it's a constant irritant. It's like a thorn in your eye. Giving up some human relationships is a small price to pay for the price that he paid for me. Mark 10, 39, Verily, verily, I say to you, there's no man. Listen, if I give up something in this world, I'm promised by Jesus Christ. If I make a commitment to draw some lines in my life, I am promised by Jesus Christ that he'll give me better stuff. Oh, well, these are the only friends I got. Well, the Bible tells me that if I leave those relationships that are unhealthy for my walk with God, God promises that he'll add more in my life than I ever gave up. Yeah, Mark chapter ten, verse twenty nine. Verily, I say to you, there's no man that's left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold in this time. Now, now, somebody shout now! And in the world to come, listen, I want to tell you, when you give God everything, he'll add what you need in your life. I'm thankful for the church. I said, I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the saints of God in this room right now. There are some of you that you may not even know it, but if it had not been for your faithfulness and your trust in God, I don't know if I'd have made it because you became a crown of rejoicing. Listen, people that try to drag you away from God, they become a crown of thorns. But in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 19, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, for what is our hope, what is our joy, what is our crown are not you. You are our hope. You are our joy. You are my crown of rejoicing. Listen, relationships don't have to be thorns. They can be crowns of rejoicing. Somebody sitting beside you can help you serve God. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. I don't care that they're in this room. They're in this room right now. And Monday through Saturday, they try to get you to walk away from God. That's a thorn. Somebody in this room can become a crown of rejoicing to you. There's some saints of God in this room that can become a crown of rejoicing in your life. Move toward Jesus and bring your friends with you. I've never given up anything. Something was not poured back into my life that was much better. Trust God and the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, "Well, is it bad to hang out with these people?" No, I just want you can answer that question, and here's how you answer it. Are they influencing me, or am I influencing them?" That's simple. And they're a thorn if they're influencing you away from your commitment, and they're a crown of rejoicing if you're influencing them toward the light. This is how Paul said, "You are my crown. I'm preaching today. There's an individual in here today that needs to turn thorns into rejoicing. Second thing, thorns, second type of thorn mentioned in scripture, and I I hurry. Thorns in our soil. Say that with me, thorns in our soil. Thorns in our sides, and those are people. Thorns in our soil. Luke chapter eight, Jesus tells a parable of the sower, the seed and the soil. The sower is the one sharing the gospel. The soil is the character of the receiver. The soil is the character of the receiver. The seed stands for the gospel, the good news. And the Bible tells us there's not only thorns in our sides that are external. There are thorns in our soil. It's in our character. Uh Uh-oh. Look at Luke chapter 8 verse 14. I've underlined a few words in here. The seed that fell among thorns, in other words, this soil had a thorny character. This is the character of the receiver. The seed that fell among the thorns, for those who hear, Uh, the, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked. The thorns choke the word how? By life's worries, by life's riches and by life's pleasure and they never mature. There's some of them here today, some of us here today. is your problem. You're a little immature. Things you should know, decisions you should make, you can't make them because they're all based out of thorny character. You say, well, how do I know I've got a thorny character? Well, if you're worried, and you're worried about money, and you're worried about pleasure, huh. they are thorns. That no matter what I preach today, those thorns are gonna choke it out. How frustrating is that? Maybe that's why preachers leave the pulpit to go flip hamburgers. I know, we groan, but you know what? Making a hamburger is a pretty easy deal. You just fry it a little bit, press it down to get those edges crispy. Saute a few onions, throw the stuff on there and dress it. Wrap it up, throw it in the bag. Done. No frustration at all. But preaching, we can say it. We can spread the seed. We can share the gospel. But in some people, life's worries and money and pleasure choke it out before they get back here next Sunday. And we pray for them. And when they come to the altar every few months and we lay our hands on them and we wonder, why are they not getting it? Why are they still defeated? And the Bible says they've got a crown of thorns. They're worried about life. They're worried about money. And they're eat up with pleasure. Oh, I'm preaching to you today. They cannot mature because the thorns choke the word. A graphic image for people who heard this parable about the thorns choking their crops. Where are the thorns in your character? Jesus distinguished three character thorns. The first one is worry. Everybody say worry, it's there. Life's worries. This has always been a problem even to people who knew Jesus quite well. Martha was worried about the dinner. Martha was worried about her house being clean. Philip was worried about finding up bread for 5,000 people. The disciples were worried that they'd drown if Jesus stayed asleep in the boat. Worry is a reality even for the followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus can turn that thorn into a crown (laughs) Come on, come on, I'm so thankful I've got Jesus because all the worries and all the provision and all the pleasure I need can be found in Jesus Christ. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. He can turn that thorn into a crown. There are three perspectives in Matthew chapter six, verse 25 through 34 about worry. And Jesus commands us. He commands us. Everybody say the 11th commandment. You know what the 10 are, but there's an 11th found in Matthew 6. Do not worry. Oh, that's nice. I like him saying that, but I can't do that. Well, you're disobedient then. Do, turn to your neighbor and tell him: do not worry. Verses 25 through 30, it says it's useless to worry because it doesn't do anything. I wish I had some men saying amen, preacher. Amen. Come on, how many of you have told your wife or your children there's, it's useless to worry about it because worry doesn't do anything? All worry does get you agitated. Look at it, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I say unto you, to, uh, when you see a therefore, figure out what it's there for. Therefore, and there's verses before this that's the reason it's therefore. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more, more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more, more valuable than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? And why take ye Thought for raiment, consider the flowers of the field, how they grow and toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He said, do not worry, because it can't change anything. And then we find at the close of these verses, he says, do not worry, because it's faithless. Worry is faithless. It takes no faith to worry. In fact, the world worries, but the Bible tells us the child of God prays. He said, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door shall be open. The world worries. We should pray. (laughs) Look at verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? I think. I may have already read that. No, I didn't. What we shall shall drink and wherewithal shall we be clothed? Look at verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Worry is faithless. You know what else worry is? Worry is timeless. Worry is timeless, timeless. The Bible says in verse 34, take no thought for the morrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Well, let me explain it. All that we worry about is either what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. Do you see that? I don't believe there's anybody here right now worried about right now. No. No. You're, You're okay right now. It's what happened yesterday that you're worried about or what's gonna happen tomorrow that you're worried about. And worry is timeless. <laughs> but you can't do anything about yesterday. And you can't borrow trouble from tomorrow. So live in the now. <laughs> Some of you saying, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm worried about what's gonna happen, what's gonna take, and you can't even worship because you're worried about something that may not even happen. <laughs> I'm here right now, so let me turn to Jesus with all of my praise and all of my adoration. Oh, that's it, clap your hands to the Lord and I, I hurry. There's another thorn, Luke, Luke chapter eight. Not only life's worries, but everybody say riches. Boy, you said that with gusto. Everybody say riches. We need money to survive. It's a present reality, that's true. But the Bible lists several legitimate uses for money and we ought to use it for that. Jesus commends investments in the parable of the talents. He recommends using money for your friends in Luke chapter 16, verse nine. And we are to provide for our family's financial needs. First Timothy five and eight, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, uh uh-oh, The word's household in the KJV, but it means your family, your relatives. You know what bugs me? I want to tell you, if my daughter, who's fixing to get married, if she gets married, and then they get kicked out of their house, I'm not going to call Teresa. Uh Uh-oh, I'm preaching to you now. I'm not going to call Teresa and have her check with Kyle if they can rent me a house for about four months. Why? Why? Well, Chelsea kind of needs a place. You know what? If Chelsea and Long need a place, now it's not permanent. (laughs) I think I got a bed. And even if I didn't have a bed, I got a cot that I camp in. And even if I didn't have a cot, I got a blow-up mattress. I've never seen the like of people whose family's hurting and they look for somebody else. Uh Uh-oh. I am digging, aren't I? I might as well get tobacco out, and quit doing it by the shovel, I might as well just, if anybody doesn't provide for his relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Oh Lord, money has legitimate uses, but it can be a sin if it's a preoccupation. Matthew 6, 24 distills it for us, you cannot serve God and money. It's a sin, listen, uh-oh, I'm gonna move on. It's a sin to make decisions based on money. It is a sin to make decisions based on money. I'm gonna take this job because it's gonna pay me good. That's not the reason you take a job. Oh, you're not hearing me. Oh, I think I'll move in with them because it'll save me money. If you, oh my God in heaven. If you make a decision solely based on money, it is a sin. Oh, I'm not getting much of a hand clap, but it's right anyway. And we need to know what's a thorn in our lives. Riches can be a thorn. Somebody say amen. Oh, I gotta hurry on. Luke emphasizes one other thorn in our character. It's the thorn of pleasure. Our culture is obsessed with pleasure. Do you know that pleasure comes from God? You recognize that, don't you? (laughs) Moses, (laughs) Moses said, I'd rather suffer with the people of God than have the pleasure of sin for a season. You do realize that the pleasures of God are forevermore. God, pleasure comes from God. First Timothy 6, 17, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you hear that? God knows how to give you joy. And the reason you have to run for it every Friday or Saturday and you have to go find it again is because things of this world, their joy is only temporary. God can provide everything you need for the joy in your life. Everything that's good comes from God. Amen. Every good and perfect gift, even people who are not people of God, receive good things from God. It rains on the just and on the unjust. But pleasure, real pleasure, comes from God. But pleasures become a thorn in our character when we make choices with our time that put pleasure ahead of God. Second Timothy 3 serves as a description of the priority of many Christians. And it says this, Paul wrote to Timothy about people of God who became lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We must resist the temptation to choke the word by worries, riches, and pleasure. In fact, look at James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he has tried, he shall receive a crown of life. Look at that. He knows how to turn temptations into a crown of life. You keep worrying about life. You keep running after money and you keep seeking pleasure. It's just going to be thorns in your brow. But if you learn how to endure temptation and give him everything, he can turn the thorns of our soil into a crown of life. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord, and I, I heard <laughs> Thorns in our sides, people. Thorns in our flesh. Life's worries, money, pleasure. Last but not least, thorns in our side. Thorns in our soul soil. The last thorn mentioned in Scripture is. Thorns in our flesh. Everybody say flesh. First one's external, it's people. Next one's in our character. This third one is a thorn in the flesh. Second Corinthians 12 records the struggle Paul had with a thorn in the flesh. I don't know the identity of Paul's thorn. It's subjective and a lot of people have claimed to know it and find it. It's Purely subjective. Scripture plainly tells us that it was a messenger from Satan, though, that was sent to buffet him. Buffet. That's like taking punches. Brother Bill, a messenger of Satan was sent to punch you. Oh, just rebuke it. No. No. In fact, it was a matter Paul repeatedly took to God in prayer. Three times he said, Lord, I could really be more effective if I didn't have this punching. If I didn't have this buffeting. He kept praying, Lord, remove this thorn. But look at verse 7. Paul finally got a revelation and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the, me- oh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul writes that God allowed this thorn And the only reason it was there, its purpose, its purpose was only there to keep Paul humble. I know there's a lot of you, you've, you've kind of filtered out all the people that try to turn you away from God. And I know a lot of you have come to the altar and you've given God your worries about life and your money submitted to God and, and, and you know, you, 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 your pleasure's in the house of God. I recognize that. But this last thorn is a thorn that won't go away. It's a thorn that God allows to keep you Humble. Everybody has a cross to bear. At certain seasons of our lives, all of us wrestle with problems weighing heavily upon us. The heart of the matter is our reaction to those struggles. It's not the struggle that's the focus. It's my reaction to it. And some people grow bitter. Some people explode with anger. Somebody gets so mad at God they never ever pray again. Some withdraw into selfishness and say, I don't deserve this. Some lean on the crutch of alcohol or drugs. They quit trying and start lashing out at the perceived problem. Sometimes people rage at God or simply refuse to believe anymore. How did God respond? How does he answer us? He says, Paul, I've given you this, I will not take it away, but my grace is sufficient for you. In fact, let me ask you how the Lord responded when those soldiers platted that crown of thorns and shoved it on his head. Remember who this is. This is the Lord of glory. This is the expressed image of the person of God. This is the eternal word in flesh. He is in himself God over all. Blessed forever, the Bible says. In him all things were made and by him all things consist. That's who they shoved that crown on. The Bible tells us that he told them while he was incarcerated that he could have summoned more than, everybody say more than, more than 12 legions of angels to deliver him. Did you hear that? You know how many a legion is? That's 6,000. 12 legions of angels that he said, I could ask my father right now, and he'd send more than 12 legions. You know how many 12 legions is? Do the math. It's 72,000 angels. There wasn't that many at Youth Congress. 72,000. Isaiah 37 says that one angel in one night slew 185,000 people. Twelve legions of angels do the math. They could wipe out 11 billion people. That's everybody. What Jesus is saying was, I could wipe the slate clean right now. I could start over right now. You don't place crowns on me because you force me. You put crowns on me because I allow you to put crowns on me. And the God that knows that thorns can become crowns, he allowed them to crown him with thorns. He uttered not a word, but he prayed. I said he prayed. Paul tells us that he prayed three times for the thorn to be taken. And we read that Paul accepted the answer God gave him. God gave him this answer, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. I have to admit, I want miracles. Many times not for God's glory, but because I need out of a mess. Fact of the matter is, I hear you squirming. A lot of us want miracles, not for God's glory, but for our satisfaction. I want you to think about all the times you asked God for a miracle. Was it for God or was it for you? Well, brother, Jean, I have needs. I want this and I want that. Well, wait a minute. Paul asked him three times, Lord, take this thorn. If avoidance is my motive, I'll never get a miracle. We all go through the valley so that our faith may not only be tested, but it may also be proven. The goal, if I say the goal, for this thorn is Character. Notice the response of Paul after Jesus tells him, my grace is sufficient. Look, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, period. Jesus gets done, and look what Paul, where he starts. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For this reason, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, No, I'm not talking about people you need to disassociate with. You may be beyond riches and life's worries and pleasures. You may may have that submitted at the cross. But there's some things today you may be praying for that God's saying, no, I'm going to leave that boxer there. I'm going to let him hit you every once in a while. I'm going to let him punch you every once in a while. Just so you won't have to battle with being conceited. Just so you'll be reminded who's God and who's on the throne. My grace is sufficient. It's when I suffer that the grace of God flows in my soul. It's when I lay my strength down that I experience a power beyond measure. It's through the darkest valleys of my life that I have found, not out of a book, but I found it in the valley that his strength is sufficient for me. Anybody here, God brought you through anything? Anybody here stood in the dark valley of despair? And you know today that his grace is sufficient. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. I've known him on the mountains. I've leaned on him in the valley. In 1 first Peter chapter five, verse four, I find out that if I endure the thorn that's in my flesh, that keeps me humble. <laughs> I feel like a punching bag sometimes, but I just endure, I just keep on. First Peter five, four, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. He knows how to turn a thorn in the flesh into a crown of glory that fades not away. For all the crosses I bear, all the thorns I endure to keep me humble, he's gonna give me a crown of glory from humility to glory. Yes. <laughs> our weaknesses, our sins, our worries, our hang-ups, our sufferings, he bore it on the cross. He wore a crown That was a curse of this earth, a crown of thorns, so that I might wear a crown of rejoicing, a crown of life, and a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Well, if I could make this message a one-liner, here it is. He wore my thorns so that I might wear his crown. And when he appears, he'll give me a crown of glory that fades not away. The choir sings that song. I was reminded of it in the last few days. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Another songwriter wrote it on Christ the solid rock. I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I want you to stand with me. It's 12 o'clock, it's time to go, but I want to ask you why we're still here. Why are we still here? I don't know, but this would be, you know, It'd have been a good week for the Lord to come this week, why are we still here? Why hadn't he come this week? Why didn't he come yesterday? Why didn't he come last Monday? You know what he didn't? Here we are on Sunday, we're still here. And you know why we're here? First reason, for every saint of God in this room to be an ambassador in this world this week, to let your light shine. And I want to tell you one more reason we're here. That's to give me and you one more chance. One more chance. One more altar call. One more altar song. One more chance to say, Lord, I'm going to let go of friends that are distracting me. Lord, I'm going to let go of the worries of this life and riches and pleasure. And Lord, you're going to give me strength in every thorn that buffets me, everything that was sent my way to keep me humble. Lord, help me to walk in faith. I got one more chance to pray you bow your heads and close your eyes Father in the name of Jesus I thank you for your word God I know it's gone like an arrow straight to somebody's heart and Lord as we open this altar in just a moment I'm asking you to move somebody out of their chair in faith let them walk out and say I'm letting my life be a greater testimony today I want the Lord who bore my thorns I want him to put a crown of life a crown of rejoicing A crown that fades not away on my head today. Lord, you can turn my thorns into a crown today. Come on. I want to open this altar right now for anybody that feels like God spoke to you today. I want you to come stand with us right now. Come on. Come on. Kids are getting ready to go back to school. Come on. You need to make sure that your relationships are on solid ground. Come on. Come on, mom and dad. You're worried about how to pay the bills. You're worried about money. You're worried about finances come on today put your trust in the Lord come on right now come on somebody walk to this altar that's been through the trial you feel like sometimes you're being punched like a punching bag but today you're just going to come to the altar and say Lord I'm going to be faithful you're able to turn this crown into a thorn or this thorn into a crown Lord you're able to turn my thorns into crowns of glory crowns of life crowns of rejoicing. Come on right now.